On today's podcast, we talk about how you can break through plateaus and why they might be happening. Even if you are eating healthy, even if you are exercising, if things are not moving how you want them to, sometimes you have to take a bigger reevaluation of all the things you have been doing and where you can start making changes. Today, we talk about what those areas are and some things that you can start thinking about. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Happy Monday, everyone. Whew, I cannot believe. I'm trying to make Christmas lists and I'm trying to decide what I want to put on mine because I bought Air Doctors <laughs> and Nick is not happy with me. <laughs> well, we have too I many. told him that I bought them and he did not protest. And I put them on like a payment plan. So it's like not even that, it's like less than $100 a month. But they're very large, and he yeah. does not like that they are very large and in our living room. And I can see that. So now he's just been like making random jokes about air purifiers. Like what? <laughs> what? I think I mentioned something. I was like, oh, I talked to someone the other day. Like they were having like really bad constipation. Like going to the bathroom once a week. He goes, do they have air purifiers? <laughs> I was like. <laughs> He's made it no less than like seven jokes about air purifiers in less than a week that we've had them. Art's laughing behind the, the TV over there because I can also see Nick doing that. Um, everything will come down to like everything that we do in our world is is very you know unique to the individual, and so I'm sure that he would like allergies, skin issues. Oh, yeah. try like here's the thing: those air purifiers are a the best. They are. And B, it detoxifies so many things. So I mean, many things. That really can lead to sickness and yes. a lot of issues. Like I remember growing up in the house that we did, and I still believe to this day, I've never had a mold test done, but there are some of my health issues that stem from being in that mm-hmm. environment where my father did not restore the basement properly after multiple oh, floods. Love him to death, but. Yeah. I mean, I remember those musty smells and it, it talks mm-hmm. about, I was reading up on them and then I might buy one of yours. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. it was talking about detoxifying mold and yeah. purifying. So yeah, absolutely. And so we have a big house. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I just, we have two small children. We have I a mean, dog. We have like, are they, so he's basically just saying they're too big and robust. Well, and also the problem, like I turned one of them on and when it's blue, it like basically says the air is clean per oh. se. So of course it turned the big one on and it's blue. He goes, we don't even need this thing. It says that the air is clean. <laughs> like, Oh my God. Well, so yeah, oh man, you know, funny. it's just, I told him if he's made another comment, I would punch him in the face. <laughs> I just was getting really upset. I was like, please stop. So, okay. So what did you guys shop for black Friday? Did you shop anything? Black well, Friday? we're um, looking about getting a new TV. He wants a new TV. Mm-hmm. Our TV in the living room is like kind of being finicky. Um, it's doing like weird things with sound and stuff. And so he's wanted, I mean, he's, he's always wanted a new TV. Let's oh, be honest. Guy does. Um, so in our Amazon cart right now, there's $3,000 worth of TVs mm. that I think he's been looking at. Um, 
So I think we want, I don't know. I told him, go ahead, like whatever, buy one. Um, Black Friday is dangerous. And Cyber Monday too, because as I was telling you, I mean, I had $400 worth of stuff and then that turned into like way more things. I got more Fabula coffee. I bought some Mm -hmm. more of that um, because I'm going to use that anyways. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I didn't really get anything else because he was making me feel really guilty. (laughs) About the air doctors. So I just bought things that I needed. So yeah. like some Christmas gifts for Marcus. Yep. I mean, we got his uh, big boy bed that we're going to put him into that full size bed starting the first. Um, my walking pad. Yep. And, um, you know, so some things that are like necessary in yeah. terms of like, th- okay, well then, so you'll love this. On Saturday, we tried to put up our, you know, our lights outside yeah. because that's what everybody's doing. It was gorgeous yes. on Saturday. Yeah. Did. So we have, I don't know seven different red, you know, strands here for the bushes and two of them work. That's the worst. I think all of ours worked this year. Knock on wood. Well, they're the old school ones. They're not the LED ones. So that's what I need. I put those in the cart and then I also put some other things in the cart that I am very uh, torn about for my pranks that I want to play and blow up things in the yard. But Mm -hmm. I think it would be hilarious. So I think it Um, would be too. Yeah. So anyways, but it's like those things that you weren't planning on spending money on and then now you're spending money on them and you're like, do I pull the trigger? Is it really necessary? Because then I'm like, I don't, I don't really want the outdoor lights that bad. (laughs) I know. I know. I, uh, (laughs) when the air doctor showed up on our porch, I was like, they're here. And he came and looked at them. He's like, um, those are huge. I'm not helping you. And so I had to carry them all in. <laughs> he really is bad about that. He was very upset about it. Um, anyways. Right. anyways. Okay, guys. So we want to talk about plateaus in terms of like mm. weight plateaus, health plateaus, maybe things are getting worse, um, and what to evaluate. Because I think here's the hard thing. A lot of times people are doing the things. You are exercising. You are eating, quote unquote, healthy and maybe you are eating healthy. Like I've talked to a lot of people mm-hmm. that they are eating healthy and they are exercising and maybe they're even like eating calorie controlled, pretty low calorie, but things aren't working. And here's what we need to understand. The body develops adaptation to anything you do, good and bad. Mm-hmm. It's called hormesis. And so when you are trying to get change and you are not seeing change, even if what you're doing is quote unquote good, right, whatever, you sometimes still need to make changes. Yeah. And so we want to talk about how we look at that and how you change your environment. Because it's not always just diet. We want to talk about a couple of other things as well. Yeah. And I think this is a two-way street, right? I was just having a conversation with somebody earlier who has tried so many different things. She said, I have probably had every macro split out there, right? I've tried the low-carb diets. I've tried AIP. I've tried paleo. I've tried all of these things and my body's just not budging and also tried reverse dieting, right? And felt miserable there yeah. and then started gaining weight. And so it's a it's a two-way street here. For some people, it might be the right answer for them to reverse <laughs> diet. For other people, it's not. Um, and we've talked about this before in another uh, episode that we did. When is the right time to reverse diet? And when are times that, you know, for example, I'm thinking of if somebody is having horrible gut dysfunction, function, pushing more calories, more food on their digestive system probably isn't the right thing to do at this point in time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing that I think about is with your exercise, some people walking is going to be enough for a period of time while other people who are very active may have to push their intensity (laughs) higher. They may have to, you know, get us different strength training program in terms of, you know, progressive overload. Like what you've been doing is no longer working because you've adapted. Your body has gotten used to this. So I think it, 
just remember that everything we say today is very bio-individual depending on the person and also their stress, their sleep, the state of their health, um, and how long they've been doing these things. So the first piece that we're going to talk about is your diet. And my question first is, where did you, you know, get this diet from, right? Is this something that you researched yourself? Is it something that your friend did? And so now you're doing it. Um, you know, is it something that you've just always kind of done for a long time and you eat pretty healthy and you have, you know, maybe this like 80, 20 moderation, that's fantastic. But if your goal is to change something, then we have to look at what can change. And I will be the first person to say there's plenty of room for improvement, even in my diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could do less processed, even like simple meals and things like yeah. that. Right. I could do more vegetables. I could do more berries. I could do more fiber. I could do more of the good. Most people can. I, mm-hmm. I, I would say that I probably only know maybe one or two people that don't really have that much room for improvement. And so think here in terms of diversity as well. What's in season? Are you diversifying your intake, including all of your proteins? Or are you constantly eating chicka, chicken, uh, tuna, and turkey? Yeah. Yeah. Or eggs, right? Yeah. Like I, I think this is one of the biggest things. People eat a lot of the same foods, mm-hmm. myself included. Mm-hmm. This is something I've really intentionally been trying to do better with is like every week when I meal prep for my lunches, I was meal prepping like the same thing for lunch every yeah. week. And so I've been changing the recipe that I make every week. So like last week I did a stir fry. This week I did a ground beef Brussels sprout like Asian dish. You know, I'm trying to constantly vary so that I'm getting different vegetables in mm-hmm. and then dinners are always different. And I'm trying to even diversify dinners even more because we we have a lot of staples in the house. Like we have a lot of dinners that we make, you know, steak, asparagus, potatoes type thing. Like, And so I've been trying to diversify what vegetables we're getting and looking at like Liz was saying, I do a lot of times like gluten-free waffles in the morning for breakfast. So now I'm trying to think, how can I change this and do maybe, you know, berries with that or somehow put vegetables into my breakfast more? Like there's, even though the gluten-free waffles are not the worst thing in the world, like we need to look at how many of my carbs or starches are coming from vegetables and fruits and how many are coming from like convenient foods, you know, mm-hmm. even if those convenient foods are gluten-free or, you know, light, low, low processed type foods, like we still need to look at how we can make those things better. Um, have you been really low carb for a long time? or really low calorie for a long time. Guess what, guys? You probably need to change things. You probably need to bring carbs back in or bring more calories in in some way, shape, or form. Like we can't, if, if you are there, you have probably negatively adapted your metabolism. And in turn, your systems within the body have probably negatively adapted as well because when you don't get enough calories, guess what? Your body pulls energy away from your digestive system. It puts stress on your body. If that's happening chronically for a long time, now your thyroid's gonna get affected. Now you're gonna have low core cortisol because your cortisol is burned out from being stressed out for so long. And now we end up with more dysfunction down the line in terms of hormones. And so like, it's this cascade effect that we don't consider because we're like, well, I don't eat that much or I don't eat that many carbs or I eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Why aren't, why isn't anything changing? Why are things getting worse? Because you haven't changed anything. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but 10 to 20 grams shift here nor there on your macros, if you're somebody who counts calories and does macros, isn't going to make that much of a difference. No. Like when we're talking, we're going to, you know, talk about this a little bit more when we get to ways that you can really try to break through, you know, the the plateau or really get to that next level where you want to go is 
really adjusting things like majorly that maybe you haven't done in the past. And there's some caveats that we'll talk about here, but you know, if you are somebody who has been chronically dieting for a long period of time, you may fall into the camp of people that need to reverse diet and you need to restore homeostasis and allow your body to obtain the energy that it needs to function at the capacity that you want it to, right? So if you're somebody who's low calorie and high intensity, you're probably just shooting yourself in the foot, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like you will just spin your wheels and spin your wheels and spin your wheels because of this stress that is now compiling from this low calorie intake, a large deficit. Then you're going and doing high intensity training Maybe or maybe not, uh, you know, seeing progress there in terms of like your endurance and improvement. You might not be sleeping as, you know, well as you could be either because you're waking up in the middle of the night if your blood sugar is all over the place. And so you have this kind of compilation or, you know, stress that's just compiling and compiling. And you think that if I eat more, then I will gain weight. But the reality is that to keep up with the demands of your current state or to that next level that you want to get to, you may need to eat more. Mm -hmm. And when the other piece that Liz has started talking about it around exercise is like, yes, you might need to do things higher intensity mm -hmm. for other people. You might need to chill the F out. Mm -hmm. Like you might need to start putting yoga in more frequently, maybe cutting exercise down to like two to three days a week or completely remove it for a few weeks so that your body can really calm down, especially if you're dealing with a lot of like bloating or puffiness or, you know, um, inflammation type symptoms, headaches, stuff like that. You might be someone that needs less, like a lot less. That doesn't mean, oh, well, I'm just going to go walk for two hours a day instead of doing like a high intensity workout. No, like you might need to chill out and let your immune system calm down so that your body can heal itself. And that's hard. It's really hard. Sometimes you go backwards before you go forwards again. But like if you are someone that has been high intensity training and you're now dealing with symptoms or inflammation, you probably are someone that needs to calm the training down. Yeah. And that could be the change with exercise, not, mm -hmm. oh, I need to do more. You know, for most people, I would say they probably need to do more. Yeah. But for the, you know, for those people, you know who you are, you probably need to calm things down. Yeah. And I'm going to say, you know, on the flip side of this, if you're somebody who is sedentary and you're wanting to see change, you can do a lot with your diet, depending upon where you're coming from. Like if you are somebody who has had a very high intake for a period of time, right? Or you're eating a lot of processed foods or you're doing, you know, fast food four or five times a week you can change your diet and probably some see some change that you want in terms of composition. But if you really want to optimize your health and increase the speed at which maybe you see change, you need to be walking at least like maybe you have an injury. And so you can't be in the gym. You can't lift heavy or you don't do, you know, well in terms of higher intensity stuff, that's okay. But at a very minimum, I think people do need to be getting eight to 10,000 steps a day. I mean, we mm -hmm. as a society are just way too sedentary. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm going to just be really blunt here. There's no excuse. If you are not in a boot or in a wheelchair or whatever, like you have the ability to move your two feet, you can go for a couple 10 minute walks a day. Mm -hmm. It's not hard. Like if this is important to you and you want to see change and you are not already hitting that level of steps per day, that would be the place that I would say that you need to start. Yeah. I have a client even, Jessica, she's amazing. She has a hip condition. Mm -hmm. She's a little bit older. She can't walk for long distances. But so she does, tell she does water aerobics. Mm -hmm. She All through the summer, she went to her local pool and did water aerobics every day for 45 to 60 minutes. And now in the wintertime, she asked a friend that has a bike in her basement if she could use it. Her friend was like, totally. She goes and uses the bike. That's amazing. Like. She will, she does not take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. And the she's lost like, I think close to 30 pounds now mm -hmm. and she's feeling so much better. Like there, it, 
she she is someone that is an example of could have used it as an excuse. And she did use it as an excuse for a long time. Yeah. She was in a ton of pain. And guess what? Now she can walk a lot longer than she used to be able to because she's improved her health. She's improved her inflammation levels and she feels so much better. Like there, you can figure it out, guys. There is always a solution. The next thing we need to talk about is stress. Mm. Do you purposefully, I actually made a post about this today. Do you purposefully slow down every day? in some way, shape, or form. And I don't mean sit in front of the TV and watch Netflix. I mean like intentionally go into a room that's quiet and breathe or do visualization or do gratitude journaling or do meditation of some nature. Some of those are not for everyone and I can I can respect that. I will say I hate, so in the very beginning, I hated the visualization part of seven, the phase one. I have started to actually really look forward to it because it forces me to mm-hmm. slow down. Mm-hmm. And I would not normally do that. Yeah. I like my Muse headband because now it's like a game at the same time so I can see how many birds I hear. If you guys know what the Muse headband I is, don't. It's, it's a very fancy contraption and <laughs> it it goes off of your brain waves. So it tells me each time if I'm actually getting into that meditative calm state. So if you hear the birds, it tracks how many you essentially are supposed to hear because it like goes around the back of your interesting. Um, and it has to be connected to your forehead here and then the side. So, anyways, um, yeah, I, I think that this is this is a tough one because some people will take this way too far mm-hmm. and they'll say, "Well, I'm de-stressing," and they might be de-stressing by, like you mentioned, laying on the couch and watching a show. Like I don't drinking. Personally. Drinking is not de-stressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unwind my chocolate at nighttime, my after dinner treat, right? So we're talking what I would say with stress and stress management, like the way that I personally think about this is what fills my cup up emotionally, but also serves my goals. So if it's a walk in nature, like I love walking in nature. It's just something that when there's fresh air and sunshine, it's even better, but I always feel rejuvenated from that. The deep breathing, that's hard to do, Mm. but when you're done, you feel so much more calm, right? We're in the terrible threes right now, and so there's been a lot of (laughs) separation moments of sit in the timeout chair. We're going to take a reset, right? And I think that can be a really powerful tool in a variety of uh, you know, situations, right? So if you are somebody who's, uh, I hear this a lot from clients, like I'm so busy with work mm-hmm. that that 10 minutes away from my desk would impact my productivity. And I totally beg to differ even as, yes. yeah, totally beg to differ. There's research behind it. We used to promote this in human resources because it's silly to think that anybody is going to sit behind a desk from eight to five and be productive. Like that's asinine. So every hour getting up five, 10 minutes, going for a walk, laying on your floor, breathing, doing some stretching, reading, whatever it is to separate and distract yourself from that task, you will come back and be more productive. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's really important to think about also what's going to fill your cup up at the same time that, and the reason I say this is because I think so many people would be more consistent doing something that they love or look forward to Mm -hmm. from a de-stressing standpoint. Again, if it's healthy and not the drinking or yeah. eating the chocolate at nighttime, reading a book, coloring, adult coloring, yeah, any of those things. Absolutely. Because you guys, it takes time. So we know a lot about cortisol. Cortisol is, you know, the stress hormone. It's ca- it's catabolic in nature. It breaks the body down. DHEA is the anabolic hormone. DHEA cannot be produced unless you are in a parasympathetic state. Sleep is a parasympathetic state. A lot of people don't get enough sleep though. Otherwise, you have to actually intentionally work 
for more than a few seconds to get into a parasympathetic state. Like you need to be calm and relaxed for at least like five, I think it's like 10 minutes or more for your body to be able to transition from that catabolic sympathetic state to that parasympathetic state. And this is something we see a lot of times with testing. Like there's a huge cortisol to DHEA ratio that the person is very highly catabolic, meaning their body is basically breaking itself down. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times your body will break down muscle to make blood sugar levels adequate. Like your body will break down things. You don't want it to break. It's not breaking down fat guys. It's storing that shit. Like it is breaking down muscle. It is breaking down organs. It is breaking down things that you need to basically keep itself alive. And so we need to get and spend time in this place. It cannot be like, I'm going to take 10 big deep breaths today. You can start with that, but it needs to build into more and more time that you are purposefully putting towards this because our society today just does not allow for it. It has to be intentional. Yeah. I agree. I mean, think about what you're doing from sunup to sundown. You're go, go, go. Mm -hmm. Like I was even telling you this morning, like I was having dreams about GI protocols and like clients, you know, and and talking with them this week because we have some some pretty serious uh, protocols that we're going to be walking people through. And you just, you want, I want to help these people, right? Mm -hmm. So it keeps me up at night sometimes. But all day long, your mind is racing unless you're being intentional by sitting down, chilling, relaxing, distracting your brain in some way, shape or form you're never really getting into that parasympathetic state. And we talk about this too in terms of like digestion, right? We know that digestion, the process of breaking down and digesting and absorbing your food is a parasympathetic state. There is a reason why people who are constantly on the go, eating on the go, just rushed, have more issues than people who are being intentional by slowing down, looking at their food, chewing their food. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you don't have 10 minutes to get into a parasympathetic state before you start eating, but try to be mindful of this. Try to do what you can do, right? To get into a little bit less, I would say, of a, a stressful state. And I've said this before, but I think it still rings true. Like there's two things that you do to build the body up. You eat and you sleep or you rest. Everything else is catabolic. It's breaking the body down, your mm-hmm. exercise, your walking, any of your movement. So just be mindful of that. And then I think the other thing that we want to talk about today too is sleep. Again, this goes kind of hand in hand with stress. Your body is not recovering if you are not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. And we see it all the time. I mean, hormonal imbalances can drive like insomnia or you know interruption in sleep, but blood sugar is huge. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would benefit, I think, in terms of getting restful, deep sleep if they stop you know eating or drinking things that spike blood sugar before bed or place a burden on the body. So here I'm going to lump in toxic substances such as alcohol sugar, like I would consider those in the same category, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Some people use sleep aids and in some way, shape or form for some people that can work for a period of time, but medication also for some individual doesn't help us. Um, You know, in terms of the length of time that we're taking birth control, antidepressants, sleep aids, all of these things, again, it, it places a burden on the body and the gut. Yeah. So making sure that you're doing everything that you can to prioritize your sleep, to support your sleep, that can be everything from your food to your environment, to your hydration status, you know, how you're even tracking sleep, I would say. Like, are you getting into bed at the same time or within, let's say, like 30 to 60 minutes and getting a routine down? Or are you just kind of like winging it? Like, I'll just watch this show tonight and then I'll get to bed earlier tomorrow night, right? Like, there's a lot that can be done in terms Mm -hmm. of sleep hygiene. And I think people, a lot of people just don't think about it. Yeah, absolutely. I I will say like weekends included Mm -hmm. at, at the latest 10 p.m. 
10, 15 maybe. But most nights it's like 9.30 to 10. That, and I try to get into bed by 9.30 if not earlier to where I'm like ready to fall asleep at that time. Well, when you're used to it, it's hard to stay up later. Oh, absolutely. You and know? that's the important, your body needs that routine. It needs that circadian rhythm set. If you do not sleep well, sunlight early in the morning, get sunlight in your eyes early in the morning, get vitamin D exposure, make sure that you are eating things that are good for the gut because that's where a lot of melatonin is created. You have to have those things in place. If you are inside all day long, Figure out how to get some type of good light into your eyes, especially in these dark early mornings in the wintertime, like the happy light's great, things like that to make sure that you are getting that you know stimulation essentially. And then at nighttime, turn lights down low, turn the, turn the air down in the house to a cooler temperature, like all of those things will help. Get blue blockers on if you're going to watch TV at night or do something on the computer, like make sure you're getting all of those things in place because, it, and if for people that are older, do not take naps after like 1 p.m. That totally screws up your circadian rhythm. So there's a lot of things. you Don't fall asleep on the couch at night watching TV. Like don't let those things happen because they can disrupt your circadian rhythm. So we wanted to kind of take the diet piece and expand on this a little bit further. And like Liz said, this is so bio-individual. So these are more so, you know, like general thought processes and ideas. Um, do not take this as a prescription. This is not, you know, what we are telling you to do. This is some things that we recommend to some of our clients and take them through. Um, and so the concept of periodization, we have talked ad nauseum about on previous episodes. If you want to go listen to those, you can. Because your body will adapt over time. Your body will always adapt to anything you're doing. And so giving your body different signals so you don't stall out Everything works until it stops working, basically. And so the concept here is to continue to change things up because also as human beings, we were not meant to eat the same thing all the time, all day long, till the end of time. If you think about humans in the past, they went through periods of famine. Mm -hmm. They went through periods of feasting. They had different seasons of food that they could get things. And unfortunately, in today's society, we are now in a place where food is constantly available. And we are surrounded by it in not good ways. Like there are always tempting foods around. We keep tempting foods in the house. You know, snack, I don't know where the concept. And, I, you know, we have talked about how this can for some people be a, th a period of time needed. But like eating six to eight times a day no. is not great for motility. It's not great no. for blood sugar. It's like going to bed, eating at 9 p.m. at night and waking up at 5 a.m. and eating right away like you're giving your time, your body no time to digest those things. So we were meant to fast. We were meant to go long periods without food. We were meant to you know, eat different types of foods at different times of year. Mm -hmm. And we've fallen completely out of that. Yeah. And I would take it a level further too in terms of you know women's health. We've talked about this, like the way that your hormones change, you're insulin resistance changes as well throughout the month. And so trying to also like seed cycle or eat with your cycle, eat with the moon. If you don't have a cycle, that's another thing that you can do. Um, and I think that's just really important because so many people just eat. They just kind of like fly by the seat of their pants. Like we'll have McDonald's for breakfast. I'll figure out lunch when I get to work. And then, you know, we'll order something for takeout when, you know, we get home tonight instead of taking a step back and saying, what can I do to set myself up for success? How can I diversify my diet? Maybe you have some days that you are lower carb because you're not as active, right? That's one thing per me personally, like I don't need a ton of carbs, but the days that I do train intensely, I'm hungry. Like Thursday, we had a great workout for Thanksgiving. I was hungry and I was like hungry for, I wanted protein and I wanted carbs. Whereas other days I personally prefer a little bit 
more fat and less carbs. Like I usually push my carbs to dinner because I want to have fuel for the next morning when I'm going back into the gym. And again, this is different for everybody, but even changing things up maybe day to day in terms of your eating schedule or the amount of macro split that you're doing for some people for a period of time can be really important. And then the other piece is not trying to diet all the time. When we talk about seasons of fat loss, it really should be short term and maybe done once one to three times a year for a period of mm-hmm. 10 to 12 weeks, right? Go back and listen to those podcasts because I don't want to hammer it home today. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about this so, so many times and I think it's really important for you to also pay attention to what makes you feel good. Like I can go back to my fitness pal and I can remember, you know, in different periods of time, whether I was eating a maintenance or I was cutting, I have days that I spot track in there and I'll write little notes, like felt really good, felt really lean this week, you know? And so I think that's also important. Like just because you're in a season's maintenance doesn't mean that you're just never tracking your food. I think Mm -hmm. it's always good. Spot check, hold yourself accountable. Am I getting enough protein? How many vegetables and cups of, you know, fruit and vegetables that I have today. And did I weigh out those carbs or that peanut butter, the things that are really, really dense? Yeah, um, Because it's easy, you know, in the seasons of maintenance to just kind of let things, BLTs, bites, licks, taste, you know, slip in or you're not weighing out the peanut butter and you ate half the jar mm-hmm. by the end of the week. So. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, just as over-consuming can end in insulin sens- sensitivity issues and insulin resistance and your body storing, low carb and low calorie can do the same thing because low carb and low calorie diets ultimately to give your body the signal to reserve and store. Like it does a couple things. One, it slows down the fat burning by taking up more water into the fat cell because the body is thinking I'm not getting enough calories. I need to reserve calories. I need to store things so that I can survive that. Guess what? Produces cellulite because water in the cells can make cellulite happen a little bit easier and number two, your body will start to blunt the insulin receptors to hold on to fat because insulin is a fat storing hormone. If the body blunts the cell receptors to it, you will hold on to more fat. And that is why low carb diets can drive type two diabetes when done for too long. Like when we put someone mm-hmm. on a truly low carb diet, it's usually six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you start cycling in high carb days, high carb weeks, resensitize the body to those things. And so we do like weekly or monthly variations of this feast famine situation where, you know, it might look like five days of low carb after you've gone through a period of resensitizing the body, you know, getting the body to be in a fat burning mode versus always in a glycogen or carb burning mode. And then maybe there's one day of a long fast, like a 16, eight, or even a 24 hour fast. If the person is truly in a fat burning state, those actually aren't that hard when you're in a fat burning state. When you're in a carb burning state, you're constantly hungry, which is why you're constantly eating. That's what carbs do. And when you balance them, it's not a big issue, but most people don't balance them very well. Most people eat a carb dominant diet, even if you're not eating high calories. And this is the confusion that I think a lot of people miss is they're like, I'm only eating 1300, 1500 calories, but the majority of your calories are coming from carbs. And so percentage-wise, you are overeating carbs. You might not be overeating calories, but that can end up, (coughs) excuse me, that can end up in this situation where you are now carb-dominant. Your body is used to only using carbs. And then you store low calorie, Mm -hmm. low carb. Both of those things can happen. And so on these variations, once you get to a place where your body can be in that fat-burning mode, yeah, you do a day where there's a refeed, where you're eating 200 plus grams of carbs or protein, because guess what? High protein diets can also cause adaptation. Protein's very important, but guess what? Protein can break down to become glucose in the body. 
And so people end up in this place where even high protein, your body will adapt to negatively. So these refeed days are great because then they also stimulate bodybuilders. You refeed days all the time because guess what? They stimulate mTOR. mTOR is a pathway that stimulates IGF-1 that causes cell growth. It has that anabolic effect. So for women, we put that higher carb week prior to your period because your body is burning higher calories at that time. And so there's, and it also helps with conversion of thyroid hormone and estrogen and testosterone. And so like, there's so many things that this variation can support, but it's not just those variations. Like go through a period where you eat paleo, go through a period where Mm -hmm. you eat Mediterranean, go through a period where you do fast, intermittent fast, but that doesn't mean low calorie guys. This is not, every diet is not meant to be low calorie. Yeah. And we're not talking about intermittent fasting this way in terms of, Hey, I'm just going to skip breakfast and lunch because we're going out to dinner on Saturday night and I want to you know, keep all of my calories. No, seriously. I mean, I think there are some people who might take yeah. it that way. I mean, we've, I've talked to many people who I've asked them like, what does this look like when you are actually eating and it's not great quality of food. So if you're intermittent fasting, I think there's two pieces to this. One is you may ease your way into it. Like if you're somebody who's waking up at five in the morning and you're eating breakfast at seven and maybe lunch at 12 and then dinner at six or seven at nighttime, and you want to start to close that window to have a longer, you know, fasting window and a shorter eating window, then maybe you start to change up the macronutrient ratios in your meals. As Becca is saying to her point, like when you're carb, you know, dominant here with your meals, you are going to be hungrier faster. We've talked about this before in terms of blood sugar. When you think about what is going to keep you full and satiated, it's typically your protein and your fat. And so fat is very, very satiating. This is why things like bulletproof coffee work very well for some people, MCT oil and butter. Um, for the period of time that I played around with kind of a, a low carb fasting, um, you know, diet for a while, I used the bulletproof coffee in the morning because I would sometimes feel like nauseous without eating anything. Um, but I didn't want to have coffee just on an empty stomach. I wanted some good fat in there. And so, you know, and I, I believe in the bulletproof book, uh, Dave Asbury talks about like, you're not technically breaking your fast if your protein is 10 grams or less. There are people who would you know, argue that, but that is one thing that he promoted, uh, in terms of the bulletproof diet. And so he did like allow you to have like, let's say a hard boiled egg that was seven grams, or you could do like, um, scoop of collagen or something along those lines for some people with their bulletproof coffee. So you may ease your way into this, but when you're doing these like refeed days or you're doing these longer fasting days, please just remember that the quality of your food still matters. We Mm -hmm. want good energy. We want good nutrients, not depleting your body and then filling it up with a bunch of trans fats, fried foods, junk, uh, you know, meats, things like that. You want good quality food here. And so I think, you know, like Becca saying, like, experiment. Think about what something that I haven't done, you know, in a while. Uh, if I used to do paleo and I kind of fell off of that, maybe you go back to that and you commit to that for like four to six weeks. And then you might shift into, you know, a Mediterranean <laughs> diet or, Hey, I felt better when I had adequate, but not high protein intake. And I was just balanced across the board. So you have to play around with this, this is very person independent. And I think it also depends upon where you're at in the phase of life, uh, where your digestive system is, we are definitely would not be promoting like vegan or vegetarian to somebody who is, you know, dealing with a lot of digestive issues because sometimes, you know, those carbohydrates, mm-hmm. uh, the fibrous foods, they can cause more bloating, oh, yeah. more symptoms, right? And so again, I think this is where it's important to look at the whole picture, see what you can adjust, make what's reasonable doable, you know, for you today or tomorrow, like start playing around with this, but don't all of a sudden say, Hey, I have, uh, 
you know, not complied to anything in six months. And I'm just going to go back to the gym five days a week and start keto. And Oh, by the way, I don't have a gallbladder. So I probably shouldn't be doing keto. Like there's a lot of things that, you know, we've said on the podcast before. And like, we, we joke about it in some ways, but again, we want this to be sustainable for you. Not like a rip the bandage approach to where a week from now you have the keto flu and you feel horrible. And then you give up on your gym routine and you give up on the compliance of this as, you know, Mm -hmm a whole because you didn't ease your way into it. Um, and so I just think it's really important for people to also make those, uh, considerations because depending upon the state of your health, you may or may not need to shift into something like this a little bit uh, slower for sure. And I think I want to expand a little bit on fiber, as you mentioned, because that's one of the big things that I think a lot of people don't consider when they shift diets Mm -hmm. or in general, fiber is the forgotten macro, like by far. And it can easily be tracked in a MyFitnessPal or something like, you know, a lose it type app or whatever it is. You should probably be getting in like 30 to 50 grams of fiber a day and not coming from protein bars because those usually have a ton of added fiber mm. and like low carb wraps and stuff. And, you know, like chicory root that's added into all of these keto cereals or whatever it is like that's not the fiber you want to be getting a whole lot of. And I think the thing is, is that when people change diets Fiber tends to be one of the big thing that's big things that shifts. Like if you go keto, mm-hmm. you lose a lot of carbohydrates, you lose a lot of fiber opportunity. And so people lose that and now they're constipated or now they're having loose stools or whatever it is. And vice versa, you go to eating vegan or these super, you know, quote unquote like healthy diets where you're adding in all of these vegetables, now you're taking in way more fiber than you were prior. Now you're constipated. Like you have you have to be careful with that and making sure that you are gradually changing that macro nutrient of fiber because that can result in a lot of negative symptoms for people Mm -hmm. digestively. Um, And fiber is important too. Like fiber bonds to bad cholesterol and helps it excrete from the body. Fiber bonds to toxins and helps it excrete from the body. Fiber fiber is a huge thing that binds to excess negative estrogen levels. So like the harmful estrogen and helps us excrete them from the body. It's very important to phase one, phase two, phase three detoxification of the liver. And so including things like cruciferous vegetables, all of those things are very important in a day. And I think a lot of people don't consider that. Um, You know, people get their carbs from like the gluten-free treats and, you know, Mm -hmm. like rice or potatoes have good fiber, but like these things that don't have a lot of fiber in them, um, you know, bread, maybe some has added fiber in it or whatever, but like you need to be conscious of that because that can solve fiber can solve a lot of problems for people. Um, but if you add it too quick it can create a lot of problems and your body has to be in the right state to accept that fiber. Like Liz was talking about with gut conditions and stuff. So just something else to consider, you know, how can you improve these things? Um, how can we do things naturally? How can you shift your diet in the best way possible? Because if you are stuck, if you are in this place where you're just not happy with where you're at, stop banging your head into a wall, under eating, low carb, exercising too much and wondering why it's not working. Like the bottom line, it's not working. Okay. How can I make shifts? How can I make adjustments? Even if it means slowing down a little bit, even if it means eating more for a period of time, sometimes that's what people need. And so if you struggle with accepting that or implementing that, hire someone to help you hire someone to guide you through that process. Because unfortunately some people don't have the knowledge either. So make sure you're investing in the right thing. Because we have lots of people that come to us that have been reverse dieted in the wrong situations and gained weight, have been given the wrong foods when their body doesn't tolerate those foods, have just been guided down a poor path. And I actually heard some um I heard I heard someone comment on 
there was a there was a question around like I can only afford a hundred dollars a month for coaching or like two hundred dollars a month for coaching. And the person that was answering it made a really good statement of you are paying for the knowledge. You are paying for the experience. You are not paying for the coaching. You are paying for that person being able to guide you down the most efficient and effective path. And when you only commit a certain amount of money that you are willing to spend on your health, you are likely going to end up spending more money than that by far because you're going to get bad advice. Mm -hmm. You're going to get bad information that's going to take you further from where you're trying to get to. And that costs in and of itself. So if you are looking for help, I understand that money needs to be a part of that. Like I get it. I get that sometimes investments are too great, but don't cheapen yourself because you will cheapen the help that you're getting. Or the results or the things that you need, right? Like if you're somebody who says like, Hey, I've done it all. I've tried it all. I'm doing a lot of the things right, but I still don't feel good every day. Then you might need to invest a little bit, you know, differently. I should say, maybe you are working with a coach right now, or you have worked with coaches in the past and things just didn't go as well. This is why, honestly, we require the GI map to work with us because I've said to so many people, we believe in the power of the testing that we do. We want to do this right away so that we can get you feeling better as fast as possible and get to that root cause and not waste time spinning our (coughs) wheels, trying to say, okay, what about this digestive enzyme or adjusting macros in this way, changing your timing into this way. And, you know, for some people, we still have some clients that we've not run GI maps on, but I just personally, I've seen too many things time and time again that align with somebody's symptoms that it's not going to fix itself by eating more pre and probiotic foods or adjusting your macros. Like there are a, a lot of things that we can do with food, but sometimes therapeutic supplements temporarily are necessary to help heal and help lessen the burden on the body so that it can you know, heal and that you can feel better. So again, if it's not us, there are plenty of practitioners out there, but that's what we do and that's what we're passionate about because we know how effective these tools are in helping people stop spinning their wheels and stop wasting time searching for, you know, a new macro adjustment or a new calorie intake or a new supplement thinking that that's going to be the fix. It's a whole body picture and that's what, you know, we look at. So if you're somebody right now who says, "Man, this resonated with me so much, I'm a little bit overwhelmed or confused because we offered a lot in here in terms of adjustments mm-hmm. that you can make. But this is this is how we think. This is how our brains work. Like there are so many questions to ask. Like one of the um, coaches that I'm actually helping recently was like, your questionnaire is so long. And I was like, yeah, because we want to be thorough. I want to look at all of your symptoms. It's 320 questions outside of us doing a lab review, outside of us ordering tests in certain situations for people. So it's really important that, you know, you, you find the right person that's going to help you solve the problem and recognize, and we have a podcast coming out about this soon, that it's not always calories in, calories out. There's a lot of other layers that we need to peel back on this onion. So if that's you, you can always you know schedule a call, book a link, uh, schedule a call with the link in the show notes um, and book in a time with myself or with Becca. We are expanding our team of practitioners in January. So we will have um, you know a lot more availability for people that we can serve across the world because this is important to us. The work that we do is powerful. It is healing. It is, you know, life-changing in so many ways for people. And if, you know, that's something that you're looking for, feel free to click on the link and we will see you on a Zoom call soon. 
Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.